You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone. I am Patrick Casal here with the All Things Private Practice podcast, where we talk about all things private practice, including small business journeys, failures, struggles, fears, insecurities, and imposter syndrome, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And if you've heard me before speak about this, there's a lot of hot takes on this topic. A lot of people who struggle with this insecurity and this fear and this anxiety that comes up that tells us we're not good enough. I'm here joined with a really good friend and colleague colleague of mine, Crystal Pennick. She is an LPC, MHSP. Wouldn't it be yeah. fucking nice if everyone had the same <laughs> letters behind their names um, yes, in would. Nashville, Tennessee? And I just want to yes. say hi and thank you. And just please feel free to introduce yourself. Well, hey, Patrick, it's good to talk to you again. I always like to talk to you and see your face. And yes, it would be so nice if we were all just LPC throughout the country, <laughs> but we have extra stuff here in Nashville, Tennessee. So yeah, that just means that I can diagnose and I can see somebody with serious mental health illnesses. So that's what MHSP basically is. So yeah, I am, again, Crystal Pinnock, or as you guys might know, if you listen to Hashtag Get Naked Therapist, I am the creator and host of that podcast. And basically, I've been in social services for over 16 years and clinically based well, I've had my license for about a year and a half. So I'm um, still very new with licensure. And we've talked before about going into private practice. And so we'll talk a lot, a lot about that later on in this podcast. So I'm so excited to be here to record with you today. Thank you. And I've been on your podcast. It's been nice to kind of share back and forth and exchange the favor. And I really want to talk about your journey right now, like we've been doing in this series, talking about small business startup journey and the fears that come with it, because I want to really try to normalize the fact that fear exists and that this stuff is not easy. It's yeah. rewarding, but it's not easy. And it emotionally and psychologically is really challenging sometimes. So you took my private practice startup course. And through that, I got to know you and learn more yeah. about you. And what I started to see come up was like this lack of belief or confidence that you could be successful in private practice. And I think yeah. that seems like that's held you back from taking the leap out of your job. So I just want you to tell us about like your story. <laughs> I'm calling you out on this because like, you are. <laughs> you this is are. accountability right here. Like, yes, let's is. get this going, get out of your job and yeah. start your own thing. So tell us about, totally you know, what's coming up with like your desire to take the leap and why that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. So just to be completely honest, because this is going to help somebody out there one day. Uh, <laughs> when we first talked about private practice, I was not convinced that that was the path for me. I went through your courses and I was listening to everyone talk about money which is a concern. We talked about just how much of a fake confidence thing private practice really is and being confident in what your skills and talents would be. And 
then kind of comparing yourself to other people out there that provide a service and you're like, oh, well, I'm not specializing that yet. I'm not this, I'm not that. And then of course, there is a comfortability of what I do right now. There's a set of comfortable with that because I work for the city. This was my dream job uh, back <laughs> a few years ago. And I always wanted to work for the city and I ended up getting a job there and doing what I loved at the time. But fast forward to 2021, I started having like a series of dreams and not only have a series of dreams about talking to people and being autonomous, but I also had people referring clients to me and saying, hey, are you in private practice? Are you this? Are you that? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so people are referring yeah. to you when you don't even yes. have a practice open. Nothing, nothing open, not even a hint <laughs> of anything. <laughs> By then I've already taken your course and I'm like, oh shoot, I'm like starting to sweat. And then I'm realizing <laughs> I'm leaving money on the table. I'm leaving things there out there and referring over to good friends that I trust. So later on, I start to become disenfranchised by a lot of things that I'm seeing. I feel like I'm putting myself in the box, my job, and okay, so if I have this talent, if I have this skill, I'm not using it, where's it going to go? So my thought was, you know what, these dreams are messing with you, one, and your talents are going to waste, <laughs> and you don't like being put in a box. So nobody puts baby in the corner. So uh, yeah, so I started <laughs> the process of doing the private practice. So I've already got the LLC and looking into insurance since I already got on ProView and all of that stuff. So I'm just a few more steps to be able to get started. Right now I'm doing part-time right now, but uh, who's to say I'm not planning an exit plan. <laughs> Sounds like you started planning an exit plan, like, you know, maybe not too long ago and started putting the wheels in motion. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still fear there, some type of fear, but not as much as it was last year this time. It's like, just move forward, make progress. You know what you can do and you can always have help with the people that you have contacted with and networked with. So yeah, I have Patrick. <laughs> so one thing that's really interesting to me is you and I talked about this before, like perfecting yeah. the process, right? And how yeah. imposter syndrome shows up when you're like in perfectionism mode and yeah. not willing or ready to launch because it's not perfect. Is that yeah. what's happening for you with like, that happened. I've yeah. got to get some pieces in place. I've oh, got to get yeah. more pieces in place. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Let me take this certification. Let me take that certification. I need, of course you need to know more. You always learn, you always grow and things like that, but that does not mean that it should stagnate your process to getting to where you want to be. And that's where it was. It was like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do it. And I was just kind of like overwhelming myself by all the things I felt like I had to do in order to be ready. So yes, it, yeah. yeah, that was and, my trauma right there. And that can never be enough, right? Like we can never be quote unquote, completely prepared and ready for what this is going to look like when you step away from secure, consistent sources of income and employment. And it's yeah. really fucking scary to think about like the unknown and I don't know how to run a business and will people call yeah. me and am I competent enough as a clinician and all the things that start going through our heads. So tell us about how imposter syndrome is showing up for you because you have a wonderful uh -huh. personality. You're obviously like very good at connecting with people. And I just want to know what is standing uh -huh. in your way at this point in time. 
You know, when you work in community mental health, you are told sometimes that you're not good enough or there's an energy around you that you're not good enough because this doesn't look the way I want it to look, you know, or the company wants this to look this way. So then you have some type of trauma. I know with charts, I have trauma with charts. Somebody say, hey, let me see your charts. And I'm like frustrated (laughs) and frazzled because of a job I had 10 years ago. And that's 10 years ago of trauma. So it started around that and just being put in a box like you only do this. This is the only thing we do. We do CBT. That's it. We don't deal with emotions. We don't deal with all these other things. And that's where it just kind of ate at me. You know, it was just I, I didn't know it until there's a situation that happened at work. And I started to have colleagues or employees come to see me. And when they started to come see me, I started thinking like, oh my gosh, like again, can I handle this? And then I thought about your voice, like, "Uh uh-uh, hold on. They're coming (laughs) for a reason. Yes, they're coming to you for a reason. And then what settled that outside of hearing your voice and putting a name to it, because I would not have known what it was until after I talked to you, you educated me about what imposter syndrome was after I named it and recognized it and heard your voice, I had a conversation with my client and I said, hey, you know, just in case, you know, (laughs) I'm just letting you know if I'm wrong about something, please let me know what that is. And they immediately told me that they felt comfortable and they don't feel comfortable with a lot of people. They were glad that they were referred by someone else and people have been rejecting this person for years to be able to see in the actual counselor's office. So he had been calling and calling and nobody has been returning calls and all of that stuff. And he was like, if you decide you want to go anywhere, I'll follow you wherever you go. (laughs) (laughs) That was like within the first 30 minutes, I wasn't done with intake yet. So what happened though, as soon as that person tells you, I will go wherever you want to go, what comes up for you? Oh my gosh. It felt so validating as far as combating the imposter syndrome and then saying, okay, you can do this, you know? And then after I had that thought and we began to talk and he said what he said, I was like, calm down, Crystal, (laughs) calm down and do what you do best. So yes, it really helped me. It calmed me down. And in our even in our relationship, it's not like he can pick up any of that because he felt comfortable immediately. But then it, it just gave me that confidence to say, you're not incompetent. If you need help, of course, ask somebody, supervise it or staff it, but you are not incompetent. So that helped. Mm, wow. So a combination of recognizing what was coming up for you. It sounds like you're doing therapy and thinking to yourself, oh my. God, the person sitting across from me needs to find a therapist because I don't know what I'm doing here. (laughs) Yes. Which is so common. I was just talking to (laughs) Jeff Gunther from Therapy Den the other day about this exact same experience of like, oh shit, this person needs a therapist. And then you're like, oh wait, I'm the therapist. And then just calming that voice down. Did you give that voice a name? Like, did you make it have a funny voice? Like, how was that for you to be able to be like, okay, this is yeah. what's happening. I'm going to make sure it's muted or at least less loud. Um, I think we talked about this before. I think it was just your voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's, I don't know whether to, how to take that. Like, is that good or bad? No, it was, you combated it. So it was actually my voice, you know, that I had that was imposter syndrome. Then to hear your voice and then to hear my voice again, change its mind, you know? So it was just a battle with myself. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what this is. It's a battle internally with ourselves asking like, am I competent enough or qualified enough, right? I heard you say, do I take more trainings? Like, do I get more letters behind my name? Like, I'm just newly licensed. So do I really have that much to bring to the table in terms of really having the ability to help someone? So this is really common. And I'm glad you're working through this because you're going to help so many people in the Nashville and Tennessee communities. And we hold ourselves back so often. We really, really do. And it is really paralyzing and it's really fucking painful. So the last time we met, you and I were talking about BIPOC experience and being a BIPOC therapist. And I started talking about colonialism and societal messaging in terms of imposter syndrome of like, if generationally populations of people, especially people of color are told you're not good enough, you're not qualified enough, we just let you be here. Of course, course, I imagine that like questioning competency and qualification would come up in the professional world all the time. Yes. And working in nonprofit world, it's very hard work for anybody to work in nonprofit world. But being a person of color, I've not had the best experiences with trying to work in the field and be respected for the talents that I bring in. It has been very frustrating. For somebody like me, you can see who I am. Uh, and we've had a lot of different <laughs> (laughs) conversations, but to be labeled as like a mad black woman, because you have tried to express yourself or you saw something that was happening that wasn't right. Or, you know, accusations of things look like this or them not setting you up correctly, like office supplies, just all these type of microaggressions that could happen on a job. When I was younger, I did not really see it as much, but the older I got and the more professional I became, I realized it in Definitely in nonprofit. Yeah, that's that's got to be so painful to start to realize it and see it. And the mad black woman expression really stands out to me because my wife has mentioned that before too. Like yeah. she's like, I, I work for the federal government. There's black REL, there's white REL, there's US government REL. Yeah. And I don't want to speak up and be loud and use my voice because I don't want to be labeled that way. Yeah. And yeah. it sounds like you've also certainly experienced that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, some examples of being in an office with three people, two white men and one white lady who were like all supervisors and they were coming to address something with me that I didn't know was an issue. And then to be able to talk with them about the situation or even defend myself, I got Hey, I don't know if you know this, but Crystal, you're being defensive, angry, and combative. It was one of those three words. I just know they all were related. And I'm thinking, I've never, like, so you're trying to say I'm the mad black woman in this situation? Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. So what, what did that do to you after, you know, having that conversation and being kind of typecast, so to speak, and just stereotyped like that? How did that go for you going forward with professional development in that place in general? I, made my exit plan to leave that place. It was not for me, even though they served populations that were impoverished. They served a certain zip code in my area, but I made my decision to not be there anymore. And I really liked being in high school and working with students, counseling and social work type stuff, but I couldn't, I could not continue to serve under that company. I mean, you don't forget things like that ever. So what does that do for you in other environments, professional if you don't ever forget, you know, experiences like that, how does that show up or how has that impacted? Oh my gosh. Um, You guys know that in the 
social services world, it's very small. You will see these people again in trainings <laughs> and you will have to see them and have conversations with them and probably partner up with them in certain situations. And it's like, I don't want to partner with them in anything. And then even in my work, I don't want my, I don't want to send any clients that way because I feel like there's an energy of implicit bias there already. So sure. it's like that, um, what do they call it? Uh, the savior complex. That has come out so much. I want to help them because, you know, not just because I want to help. It's because I have a savior complex. And I've seen it a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. And I have to check it. It sounds like it's a constant battle in a lot of ways and really trying hard to get confident in who you are and what you yeah. bring to the table. And yeah. that there might be some stereotyping and racism and colonialism based in the profession. And you yeah. just have to try hard yeah. to yeah. step into yeah. who you are and what you bring to the table and yeah. embrace your competency and the fact that you have a master's degree and all the hours of supervision experience yeah. to get to an LPC, MHSP, whatever yeah. the fuck in yes. Knoxville or Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> Um, so you've yeah. worked really hard for that. You've worked really yeah. hard to get those degrees and those licenses. And it sounds like that imposter syndrome still rears its head at times it when you're growing or stepping into something bigger it and does. professionally. It does. It does. And we, you know, growing up, you know, the best thing to do is go ahead and get a job and then to work for the city. That's like huge. And then they have really good insurance. You've never had this much insurance in your life. So it's like, oh, do you hold on? on to that? Is that your comfort? Is that your pillow at night? Same time, it's taking pieces of your talent off away from you. So well, you're so right. I think that those types of jobs feel really secure, but not really fulfilling. Yeah. And once you start to realize there's more out there, then we start to think about what's next, how can we make an exit plan? But then there's the fear of what if it doesn't work? What if it's not successful? Yeah. What if I leave this secure, consistent career behind. And I, it sounds like you're having a lot of those thoughts in these moments when you're thinking about leaving. Yeah, yeah. It's a shocker because again, this was my dream. And at one point or the other, I was having fun with what I was doing. I'm glad that the situations have happened the past year to where it makes me not as comfortable anymore. And I was like, you know what? I just thank the situation for making me uncomfortable because there's a reason why. And then to get other referrals from people kind of like left and right. And it's like, get it in gear. Okay. <laughs> Something is telling you like yeah. now or never, like yes. let's make this happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. You know, as a clinician, we talked about how it is around for how I do my work. But when I have minority clients, my work can look different than with other clients. And it just has to be appreciated. It just has to be known that there's certain ways that I see a Black kid, I feel like Black kids are my kids. I don't have any children, but I feel like every Black child is my child. Like I birthed yeah. them. So <laughs> I am very responsible for the information that I give them. Sure. So if I'm training or doing a counseling session, I'm very much responsible as if I was like their parent. But at the same time, I'm a therapist. 
So yeah. that's the, I'm not sure if everybody else is that way or what, but I just feel like every kid, well, I say every kid really is my kid, but definitely when it's a, a black kid. Yeah. I think that has to make a lot of sense and we need to do a much better job of taking culture and cultural consideration into perspective in the mental health world and community, because so often we hear the term unethical being thrown around or like we need to practice an evidence-based practice and et cetera, et cetera. But all of that stuff is rooted in Western civilization, colonialism, yeah. racism, and white supremacy. It's like we did studies on these populations of people. So therefore, it's evidence-based treatment. And that isn't fucking true across the board. Yeah. Like, we can't treat everybody the same. We cannot. That just hit a nerve. Yes, that's so right. Because, I mean, you have people who are so academic, but they go straight from structure and everything. And not everybody deals with structure. There's other ways around how to provide a service without always being so structured. CBT is fine. I don't have any problems with CBT, but it doesn't always speak to everybody. So you just have to be flexible. Yeah, being flexible is a good point. And you're right. It doesn't speak to everybody. Hell, I hate it. I mean, I've done it and I'm like, yeah, this is not for me. And that's okay because it yeah. is for other people, right? So yeah. like you and I have talked about stepping into being an authentic yes. practitioner and therapist yes. and truly embracing the way you view healing work yes. and bringing yourself into the equation with your personality, your style, the way you speak, really embracing that because I think authenticity and personality and not being a robot who just shakes their head up and down. Yeah. It creates instantaneous rapport and feelings of safety and security. Yes, indeed. And yeah, I'm more emotional focused. I want to know how you're feeling. I want to know what your body is feeling. Those are type questions that I want to ask. And, and there's times where, you know, my sessions last a little bit longer. Uh, but I'm sure with insurance, you can only go so far. But yeah, there's just different things that I do that sometimes I don't have permission to do working for the city. I think we have to think outside the box and recognize yeah. that there's not a one size fits all approach and that it's okay to be yourself and clients actually prefer it. You've talked a lot on your podcast and in your story about things that you've experienced in your life. And yes. I don't want to, you know, bring that all up right now. But I imagine when you speak with your clients about your stories and your yeah. traumas and your experiences, it probably creates more connection. Oh, definitely. Um, I've created my niche being more grief and loss before this year. Grief and loss used to exhaust me, but now it's more exciting and more of my passion to be able to speak to people about grief and loss and be able to sit with people in this journey. So definitely it has helped so much, especially in the season that we're in, in COVID season, it's so much loss, it's so much grief. So it's never ending. And grief and loss are subjects that need to be talked about. I just got off a podcast episode with Jill Johnson Young. And you know, we're talking about grief and loss. It's a part of life. Yes. And I think that naming the fact that we've experienced grief and loss or any sort of struggle really allows clients to feel normal and validated and just safe. Like, 
okay, you get it. I can talk to you about this without feeling ashamed or without feeling like I have to hide how I'm feeling. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And it, again, it brings about healing for our clients or for my clients indeed that you have gone through some very heavy, hard stuff before. Of course it's sprinkled in. I I put in a little self stuff in there, sprinkled in to be appropriate, but then they realize the reason why I'm telling it and the reason why I'm expressing that to them. It has helped. Definitely. Yeah. That's well said. We sprinkle it in. It's not like, because I know I already anticipate the uh, ethics police out there that may listen to these episodes of like, (laughs) oh my God, you're just sharing your story over and over with your clients. And it's like, no, let's share what's appropriate to help a client recognize that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that it doesn't always have to feel this way, but we get it and we're here with you and we're experiencing this and we're holding space because we have done the work with the issues that we have had. Yeah, yeah, it is amazing. It is amazing work for not only for for us as clinicians, but to see it work for our clients. Totally, 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 totally. I agree. So just circling back, Mm -hmm. you have a part-time practice. You're thinking about full-time. I want you to just tell the audience and like what you're going to do to ensure (laughs) that you are going to do this so that you can share more of Crystal with the world, with your clients. So that when your colleagues are saying, hey, Crystal, I've got seven referrals for you. You're not like, oh shit. Uh, I actually don't have (laughs) openings until 2023. Right, right. Oh my gosh. And then it's funny because I do have another coworker who calls me and she'll say, where are you at with your business? And I'm like, I did this today. I did. Okay. I'll call you back and see where you are. I'm like, thank you. My accountability. I have a few people who are putting me up there. Yes. So, um, I forgot your question. That's okay. So I want to know what you're going to do, you know, so that you can make sure that you're going to do this for yourself because definitely we hold ourselves back from the things that are the most fulfilling because we're scared of the unknown. So tell us how you're going to embrace the unknown and how you're going to step into your greatness. So I am starting out part time, starting out because I have one person in queue, actually. So this person I'm in correspondence with. And again, one of the funniest things is I say, hey, I'm not accepting any clients until the first week in November. And I say, you can wait or I can send you to another clinician that I trust. They say, I can wait. (laughs) And it's just, again, it's funny because we don't have that relationship yet. They came referred from someone they knew that knew me and only had a five, 10 minute conversation with them. And I'm just thinking like, hey, you can't keep doing this and not have a product for people to go to. And another example today, somebody asked me, hey, you know, I got a family member that really needs some help. You think they can come here? And I'm like, well, they can't come here, but <laughs> but I do have, you know, I'll have some openings in November. So if you could just ask your family member, if they're able to wait. If not, I can give you trusted clinicians that they can talk to right now or call right now. So I said, okay, just let me know. Give me the information. And again, my clients say, if you go anywhere, just let me know. 
So I want to challenge you to yes. embrace that and just start it yes. because we can always figure out reasons to push yeah. it back and push it back and get yes. more prepared and more prepared. And at the end of the day, until we yeah. embrace that discomfort and the distress that comes with it, yeah. we really can't start to open up space and energy for this. So I just want to challenge you to do that. Yeah. And anyone listening who's experiencing anything similar, I want you to challenge yourself to just put it out to the world, put it out on Facebook, to friends friends, to colleagues, whatever, just hold yourself accountable. Once it's out there, the world doesn't stop spinning. It's not that scary. It's just like a weight is lifted and you can breathe a little bit truly, easier. Truly, <laughs> truly. So yes, I just yes, want to yes. challenge you. And I hope by the next time that I'm on your podcast or you're on my <laughs> podcast, yes. that you are in your private practice, seeing your clients, like really helping people who want to yes. work with you and getting out of your own way. So yeah, yeah. I do want you to say like, just tell the audience that listening in like what stuff you've got out in the world right now where they yeah. can find more of crystal yes yeah, so on podcast world and social media you will see me as lpc chris i am on facebook i'm on instagram and youtube and tiktok I am not the dancing therapist yet. I haven't figured yet. that. Yeah, I haven't figured that part out. Might not do it. I might do some other stuff. But yes, you will find me on on those social media platforms. Hashtag Get Naked Therapist will be back up for new uh, episodes. I call them sessions in February 2022. I also have a sibling loss podcast. It's called Surviving Sibling Loss, the Forgotten Mourners podcast, and that comes out on a monthly basis. So if you Google any of those it'll pop up on on those streaming apps and this you know in the future look forward to tittle pinnick grief counseling and consulting llc yes i love yeah. that we're yeah. gonna hold you to that this is gonna be another layer of accountability i'm gonna yeah. share this podcast with you when it's out and it's just yeah. gonna be like crystal yeah you said these things i did time to do them right so yes i want to just thank crystal for being on here she's become a good friend and colleague we've actually never met in person it's all been right. virtual due to COVID. So, you know, it's one of those things where like the world has gotten smaller while it's also getting bigger. Yeah. I want to thank anyone for listening to this podcast. Download it, share it wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to find more information about all things private practice, you can join my Facebook group, All Things Private Practice, or go to my website, allthingspractice.com for coaching retreats. I'm about to do one in Ireland in March and consulting around private practice building and growth. This podcast is really meant to be authentic, have hard conversations, but also allow you to have a light at the end of the tunnel to let you know you're not alone. And if you're listening at home, we appreciate you and tune in next week for another episode. Thanks, Crystal. Bye. And I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.